Hello. Welcome to the Legends of King Arthur and his Knights. Chapter 20. The Kind Words of Sir Kay. King Arthur's court was quiet. Not a lot was going on, and the king prayed for some tales of adventure to keep the Knights of the Round Table busy while they waited for an important quest or an enemy to fight. Just as the poor king was reaching his tolerance threshold for boredom, a very tall young man strode into the court. He was wearing the strangest garment the knights had ever seen. Most of them peered at him politely, but kept their mouths shut. However, one of them didn't try and hide his feelings. He jumped to his feet. "'That is the most ridiculous, bedraggled and hideous coat I have ever seen,' he mocked. "'It's ugly and ragged. I'm going to call you the man with the ugly coat.' Almost dying with laughter at his own joke, Sir Kay sat down. King Arthur spoke more softly. Young man, tell us why you are here, and tell us about your cloak. The cloak was indeed a bit odd. It was black, made from rich material, and decorated with gold. It was long, far too long for the young man, and it was old, ragged, and tattered, and stained with blood. The young man spoke. Sir, I am Brunor Le Noir. This cloak belonged to my father, who was a noble and peaceful man. Everyone living close to our castle loved him, because he was peace-loving and he was generous. He had only one enemy. One day, just over six years ago, when he was sleeping, he was set upon by a coward knight working for Sir Brian of the Isles. I was bathing in a pool nearby, and I heard the attack. I ran to my father, but it was too late. He was already dead, and the attackers had ridden off. I took this cloak from my father's body and put it on. I have waited until I was old enough, and now I come here today to ask you to knight me, so that I can avenge myself on Sir Brian. I have sworn to wear this cloak until I succeed. Sir Kay, I am glad to be known by my cloak, and I am happy for you to call me by that name. The knights of the round table were moved by this speech. Sir Gaheris and Sir Lamarack immediately rose to their feet and spoke in support. Sir, said Gaheris, he may be young, but remember that Sir Lancelot was a very young man when he arrived at your court. He was knighted, and look at the deeds that he has done. King Arthur agreed. The next day he took most of the knights out for a good old-fashioned hunt. The young man, who became known as La Cote Mail Tail in honour of his ragged coat, stayed behind to prepare to be knighted. Once he was ready, he strode about the castle having a good look round. He had heard that there was a mighty lion kept in one of the towers, and he wanted to see for himself. The young man got a good look at the lion a lot quicker than he had intended, as it had somehow managed to free itself and was rampaging around the castle. The men who had not gone hunting were running for their lives from the beast. Lacote Meltale laughed at the coward soldiers, took his sword, and felled the half-ton of yellow roaring death with one stroke of his sword. When King Arthur returned, he knighted the young man as Sir Brunor. The new knight demanded, though, that everyone still call him Lacote Meltale. Later that day, a young woman strode into the court carrying a shield. The shield was entirely black, except for a white hand holding a sword. The lady spoke to the king. Sir, I have travelled a long way to be here. I bring this shield to give it to a brave knight who will finish a quest. The knight who wore it fought bravely against another knight as part of this quest. He was defeated, but would not yield. He killed himself rather than to have to do that. He gave me the shield and told me to bring it here to the court of King Arthur, where a brave knight could take it and continue the quest. 
Sir Kay stepped forward, announced his name, and said that he would take on the quest. The lady frowned. Oh no, she said, this quest needs a better knight than you. Kay grumbled and said he didn't want to go anyway. Lacotemel Tail stepped forward and asked if he could take on the quest. King Arthur agreed, and the young lady grudgingly accepted. While the knight seemed to be strong and powerful, and quite frankly was very good-looking, he was awfully young, and she wondered if he would succeed. Soon it was out of her hands. Lacotemel Tail was mounted and ready for the off. Sir Kay muttered to himself. He was most unhappy when young knights got quests he thought were meant for him. First that full of himself Sir Lancelot of the lake had done it, and now this idiot with the mangled cloak. They rode off. On the way, Lacote Meltail jousted with Sir Bloberis and then Sir Palamedes. Both of them overthrew him, and each time he drew his swords to fight with them on foot. Neither of them would carry on the fight. The young lady, whose name was Maledicent, wondered aloud whether Lacote Meltail should give up the quest and return to Camelot, as it seemed he might not be up to the task. He told her he would have beaten the knights easily if they'd agreed to fight him with swords. They carried on. Soon they arrived at the location of the first part of the quest, a towering fortress called the Castle Orgulus. As soon as Lacote Meltale entered the castle, he knew he was in trouble. He was set upon by a hundred knights. The young knight thought quickly. He put his sword in front of him and charged through the throng of opponents until he reached a wall. He thought he would have a better chance of holding the knights at bay if he had a wall behind him. Then they couldn't attack him from the rear. The young knight made it to the wall and fought valiantly. He killed some knights and wounded some more, but realised that a hundred was just too many. He was trying to come up with a plan B when he heard a voice. The lady of the castle had been imprisoned in her own home by the hundred knights and was watching the lone knight fight them. She shouted down to him, Sir knight, you fight valiantly and well, but you can't withstand all of these men. Move along the wall until you see the darker stone. When you're there, tap it with your sword and the wall will open up. Then you can go through and save yourself. Lacote Meltail did just that and it worked. He flopped through the wall and emerged on the other side. He found his way back to Maledicent. He hadn't defeated all of the knights of Castle Orgulus or freed the lady, but he had left twelve of them dead. Even after this though, Maledicent told him he was not good enough for the quest and he should go home. She wished he was Sir Lancelot of the Lake or Sir Tristram of Lyons. They were great knights. Lacote Meltale simply frowned at her and they moved on. Back at Camelot, Lancelot had returned from one of his many adventures. When he heard that Lacote Meltale had been granted the quest, he was aghast. He could be a great knight, said Lancelot, but he is so young. I think I'd better follow him and make sure he comes back alive. King Arthur agreed, and Sir Lancelot rode off to find the young knight and Maledicent. He only just arrived in time. Lacote Meltail, as part of the quest of the Black Shield, had to fight the six knights of Castle Pendragon. He took on the first, knocking him off his horse, but the other five didn't play fair. All five set on him at once. He couldn't take them all on, and the knights took him prisoner. At that point, Lancelot turned up. The knight who owned the castle had taken Lacote Meltale prisoner, and he was called Sir Brian of the Isles. Maledicent was delighted to see Sir Lancelot. Of all the knights in the world, there are only two that I would have wanted to arrive and help us. There's little to choose between the two of you. 
I prayed that Sir Lancelot of the Lake or Sir Tristram of Lyons would come, and here you are. Lancelot nodded his thanks and rode on. He found himself faced with the same six knights who had taken the young knight prisoner. Sir Lancelot of the Lake, of course, was a slightly different challenge for the knights, and they stood no chance at all. Within a few seconds, two of them were dead, and the other four had run away. Lancelot rode into the castle. In the courtyard, fully armed, was Sir Brian of the Isles. Lancelot smiled. I have come to avenge the death of the father of Sir Bruno Lenoir. Lancelot rode towards his enemy, and Sir Brian charged towards him. With a sound like wood-striking bricks, the lances impacted upon the spears. Both men dismounted and drew their swords. They were both quick, agile and strong. Both dodged with sublime skill, and very few blows hit their targets. It took a mighty and superbly accurate blow from Sir Lancelot to end the fight. He hit Sir Brian so hard on his head that he fell to his knees. Then he wrenched off his helm. Sir Brian hadn't got to where he was today by being slain, and he did the sensible thing. He immediately yielded to Sir Lancelot. Lancelot forced him to release La Cote Maltale and all the other prisoners he had in his dungeon. Sir Brian was completely defeated. La Cote Maltale thanked Sir Lancelot, but Maledicent was still not satisfied. Again she rebuked the young knight and told him to go home before he got himself killed. She called him a coward and a useless knight. He took her words without comment, but deep down felt very sad. Lancelot was extremely indignant and gave her a good telling off for treating a good knight so badly. Hearing his words, Maledicent crumbled. I don't mean it. He's a very fine knight. He's also gentle and kind, and I've grown to love him while we've been travelling together. I keep telling him to go home because I don't want him to die. I want him to live a long, long time. Lancelot smiled. OK, I understand that, he said. I suggest that Sir Bruno and I take on the rest of this quest together. La Cote Meltale and the lady nodded and smiled. This sounded like a great idea. Having gone back to Castle Orgulus, defeated the remaining knights and freed the lady, the questers rode on. Soon they came to the country of Surluz. There they came to a village which had a strong bridge in front of it. It was heavily fortified so it looked like a castle, and was guarded by a lot of men. One of them spoke to La Cote Maltale and Lancelot. Stop! You cannot both pass here because you carry that black shield. Knights who take up the quest of the black shield may not cross this bridge together. Only one of you may try. Lancelot stepped forward, but La Cote Maltale asked him to step aside. He had taken on the quest, and he wanted to be the one to finish it. The young knight entered the bridge. Waiting for him were two brother knights, Sir Plan de Force and Sir Plan de Amours. He knocked Sir Plan de Force from his horse and then did the same to his brother. Both knights drew their swords and attacked him. La Cote Maltale was determined to show Maledicent and Lancelot he was made of strong stuff and he doubled his efforts. The two brothers pounded him with knightly blows but he hit them back even harder. Eventually he knocked them both to the ground and ripped away their swords. He pulled off their helms and bared their necks. Then he picked up one of their swords and held it in one hand. He held his own sword in the other. He pointed a sword at the neck of each brother and demanded they yield or be slain. They yielded. La Cote Meltale rode on until he came across another brother called Sir Plenorius. He had been badly wounded by the first two brothers and he wasn't in a fit state to take on another one. 
He fought bravely against Sir Plenorius, but was too badly hurt to beat him. Fortunately, Sir Plenorius was an honourable knight, and he realised he was fighting a wounded man. He didn't kill Lacote Meltale, and he didn't ask him to yield. He took him to his tower as his prisoner, and let him rest. Lacote Meltale spoke to him. Sir Knight, I am with another knight who is much better than me. We are on this quest together, and he will challenge you. Sir Plenorius rode out and looked at his new opponent. He decided that Lancelot didn't look unbeatable, and raised his lance ready to joust. He didn't know who his opponent was. If he had, he may not have been so brave. Lancelot, of course, beat Plenorius, forcing him to yield after a vicious battle. He then beat three more brothers. He freed Lacote Meltel from the tower and asked what he wanted him to do with the defeated Sir Plenorius and whether he wanted to take over his lands. Lacote Meltel replied that Plenorius had treated him honourably and he didn't want his lands. Lancelot nodded at this wisdom and commanded Sir Plenorius to go to Camelot. There he would ask King Arthur to make him a knight of the round table. The questers had succeeded. After resting for a while to let their wounds heal, they travelled to Camelot. Sir Lancelot granted Lacote Meltale the lands formerly owned by Sir Brian of the Isles. He had truly avenged his father's death. Back at the court of King Arthur, Lacote Meltale and Maledicent were married. Lacote Meltale was made a full knight of the round table and served King Arthur well for many years. Sir Kay grumbled. He was fed up with other knights getting to go on hard quests, especially young knights. He was determined not to let it happen again. The next young man who turned up at Camelot asking for favours was in for a hard time. At the next Feast of Pentecost, a young man turned up asking for a favour. King Arthur and his knights were spending the holiday period at a castle called King Kenadon in Wales. They were waiting for a story of adventure to be told and the feast to be started when Sir Gawain spotted some people approaching. Through the window he could see three men and a dwarf. The three men dismounted from their horses and walked into the presence of the king and queen and their knights. They stood before King Arthur. One of them, a good-looking powerful man in his late teens, began to speak. The knights looked at him waiting for him. They all noticed he had very large and very fair hands. Nobody recognised him, although maybe some should have done. My lord, he said in a clear and deep voice, God bless you and all of your fellowship. I have come here to ask you to grant me three gifts. They are not unreasonable, and I promise that if you grant them to me, you will lose nothing, and you will benefit greatly. The first gift I will ask for now, and the second and third I will request in twelve months. King Arthur was intrigued. Ask, he said, but first tell me your name. All I ask now is that you grant me food and drink for the next twelve months. If you grant me this, then I will return to your court in a year, and request my two other gifts. I will not tell you my name yet. You will learn it in good time if you grant my requests. Of course I'll grant your requests. You're welcome here, and you'll be fed and clothed well. I will ask my seneschal, Sir Kay, to take you to the kitchen. You'll need to work here for your food and lodging. The young man smiled a broad smile, and nodded gratefully. Sir Kay, on the other hand, put his best mocking tone on, and scoffed at him. Look at him! I reckon he's a villain. He doesn't look like he'll ever amount to much. If he was of noble birth, he would have asked for a horse and armour, not just food. Since he doesn't seem to have a name, I will give him one. I will call him Beaumains, the one with the fair hands. 
I'll take him to the kitchen and let him eat. I bet he's a greedy little good-for-nothing, and after a year he'll be as fat as a pork hog. Kay laughed heartily at his own joke and sent the young man to the kitchen. The two men who had arrived with him left the party and rode off. The dwarf stayed. Sir Gawain and Sir Lancelot turned on Kay. They reminded him that he'd been just as mocking with Lacote Meltale and had been completely wrong. Kay ignored them. Beaumains ate with the other kitchen boys. Both Lancelot and Gawain offered to feed him themselves, away from the heat and bustle of the kitchen, but he refused. He had been granted what he had asked for, and he would take it as it was given. Beaumains stayed in the kitchen for twelve months. He ate well, but he worked hard, exercised and trained. Sir Lancelot and Sir Gawain gave him money for clothes. After a year, he was strong, fit and well, and very far from being as fat as a pork hog. He was ready to receive his second and third gifts. Next week, we will find out what the second and third gifts were. Until then, have a great week, and I'll speak to you next time.